I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Well, I know one thing's for sure. We are not here to talk about non-fungible tokens. No. We are instead going to be talking about drug cost transparency, which, uh, which I mean, you know what? I honestly don't even know where to start, uh, but I will start here. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, we're, we're back. We're back with uh, our second time with our friend, Dr. Gorfinkel. I'm very excited about this. Um, uh, I guess, I guess where to start is, um, uh, what, what, why, why is this discussion of drug cost transparency important? Or what would you say to folks who might not necessarily think about that? Uh, why, why should they think about this issue and why it's important? People are actually shocked to learn that doctors don't know how much the very prescriptions they're writing will cost the patient. Right. And even my patients who are nurses are surprised to learn that I don't know what the drug will cost. So where do they learn? They learn at the pharmacy counter. So understand, these, like every patient is vulnerable. You know, you see your doctor and you expect your doctor to be thinking about you in terms of your best interest. And understand, these are not drugs that are one-offs. A lot of these drugs can go on for months or years. And, you know, nobody wants to say anything to the doctor. Oh, my gosh. It's like you say something to the doctor, like, can I afford that drug? Mm. No. What people do is they don't want to question the doctor because they, it comes mm. off as sounding like you don't trust the doctor. Right. It's actually it's it's really interesting because the amount of times that I've gone to see the doctor and they've given me a prescription for something and I've gone down to fill it and I've found out that it costs like with no oh, it costs idea. like 40 bucks. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm. You know, 23 at the time and 40 bucks is like means either I get to go drinking this weekend with my friends or I get this ointment that I need. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. I don't need the ointment, do I? And then I walk away. Yeah, I couldn't help myself because you you think an ointment is bad? A $40 one off? Mm. Let me explain something to you. What if you were seeing me about depression? What if you were seeing me about anxiety? And I'll share with you, the standard of care is a six to nine month prescription. So I just happen to have some numbers handy dandy. I could give you a prescription for citalopram. Hey, that stuff is 25 bucks. Or I could give you escitalopram for $45. That doesn't sound too bad. But listen to this. What if I gave you venlafaxine for 30? You might love me. But then what if I gave you desvenlafaxine? Boom, price is $245. Basically the same drug. It's nearly eight times the cost. 
So wow. I ask you this question. Do I have the right to reach into your back pocket, literally take your wallet out and say you're going to spend eight times as much money on a drug that does pretty much the same darn thing? Do and, and, and you as a doctor, are you uh, are you um, just because of the way that the system works and the way that your job works? Like, are you just not in the know that drug A which is like, you know, let's say like the, 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 the Cadillac brand name of the drug is, is this much, yet the exact same drug, different brand, way cheaper option is this much. Like, are you, do you just not know the costs between the, the, the brands? And, and is this the reason like the why some people are... Physician. Yeah, 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 like the average... Is, is this why people are getting screwed me. over? Doctors in general don't know. Mm. So they did yeah. a study looking at a study. How many, you know, what do doctors know? And 80% of physicians are unaware of drug costs. And even mm. when they think they know, if they get the quiz, they're wrong. So that's a big problem. And moreover, the costs are changing. Right? You mentioned generics. Like People have this vague idea, generic versus trade. Yes, generics are a lot less expensive. But the go-to is a generic. I'm talking about within specific drug classes. You know, so you could give drug A, drug B, drug C, they're all in the same drug class. But what happens is that usually in almost any drug class, there's this outlier that's not just a little more expensive, it's way more expensive. So I'm on a mission, and that mission is to empower patients to ask questions. Is there a less expensive alternative? Because the answer is no, you don't have to pay a lot of money. And no, it's not a lot of work for the doctor to talk to the pharmacist for five minutes to save literally hundreds of dollars potentially over months of a prescription or potentially years. Whoa, is that's that, mind blowing. Is it not? Is that, is it, I, I, can, I know that that's like when you said I'm, you're on a mission to, to, to empower patients to ask those questions, is it, and, and that's a, a, a very noble cause for sure. Is it not, or should it not be uh, incorporated into, or be maybe a a, a a a a necessity for for doctors to be in the know on drug prices in terms of going, you know, that they're not going, oh, well, I'm going to prescribe um, medication X uh, because you know it's the medication that I for some reason have like some relationship with, and I don't mean like a nefarious relationship. I just mean that they're familiar with the drug and what it does, but they're not familiar with the cost. And because they're familiar with that drug and what it does, but not the cost, that's the, that's the drug that they give instead of drug Y, which like you said, does the same thing, but like, so should it not be, uh, um, I guess on both ends for the patient to, for the patient to be empowered to ask and, and to say, you know, what, what are the costs of these, but also for physicians to, to know that there are options and offer those options and 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 be understanding that people's financial situations are are all different. Oh, you're totally nailing it. I mean, the ideal system would allow the doctor to have an open conversation about how much drugs cost, what their insurance is actually paying out, mm -hmm. and what their copay would be. You know, because without those conversations, there's I hate to use the term larceny or theft. It's not like that. But the problem is it winds up costing a lot more than it has to. Think mm. about it. You're holding up your tennis shoe right now. Well, I'll tell you something. You knew how much you were paying for those shoes. You probably looked at other shoes. You knew what they were costing. That's not what's going on in the land of drug costs. 
-hmm. And it's ridiculous. The ideal system would show up electronically as I was writing the prescription, providing me with the options and the various costs. Mm -hmm. So yes, you have to be brought into it because you're the person who's paying for it. And if you're not paying for it directly, you're paying for it indirectly through your insurance or through a copay. Right. So yeah, this is a big problem. And consider, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was, I, I wanted to ask, I'm glad that you phrased that question that way, Taylor, because I think from a cynic's perspective, there's a lot of people, I, I've heard people say in the past, like, oh, well, the doctors prescribe drug X because the, the drugs, the, the doctors are in bed, in, in bed with the pharmaceutical companies and there's lobbyists that get them to um, prescribe certain medication yeah, and this, that, cynical. and the other thing. And, and so one, <laughs> I'm curious just to, you know, to sort of, respond to the cynics perspective on that like does that happen where there are lobbyists from pharmaceutical companies going to you know gps getting them trying to prescribe drug x over drug y and then my second part of that question is why or how can there be two drugs that basically do the same thing and one costs 40 dollars and one costs 200 dollars? (laughs) well why would there be So my question to you in a capitalist system is, why would there not be? You can get cheap chocolate, you can get expensive Mm -hmm. chocolate, and arguably there are quality differences. But when it comes to drugs, generally speaking, the older stuff, which is cheaper, happens to be the better stuff. And you know why? Because it's been around longer. So we've got a greater experience with it. We also have an understanding of what its side effects are, both long-term and short-term. So in the land of medications, newer is generally not better. Mm. So think about like we got the COVID vaccines going right now. And what are we leaning on largely? What becomes less relevant over time are the actual clinical trials done and the real world data. So that's the land of the generic, the land of the large real world data. That's what happens. So as far as in bed with a pharmaceutical company, I guess it depends on how a person defines in bed, you know, so <laughs> like that, you know, I think what we mean is like naked, yeah, rubbing with, each other, yeah. oh. you know, like, like romantically just having lots yeah. of fun. We and, heard then those pay, conferences. And, then, and then paying for it. We yeah, heard yeah, those, yeah. Right, we right. heard those conferences. It's an exchange. It's an exchange. Clearly <laughs> can be pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the laws and regulations in Canada, well, I don't know about the skin to skin stuff. I mean, I guess that happens. I don't know. <laughs> it hasn't landed on this head yet, but you can never tell. Um, but the bigger thing is, is it's the samples. You know, mm. that's like, let's talk about what's really the most common thing by far. So if Iris Gorfinkel takes a sample and she puts it in her cabinet on her shelf, what's going to happen every time she opens that cabinet? She's going to see it. And when I see it, it gets embedded into my brain. And am I less or more likely to prescribe it? I ask you that. Pop quiz. Mm. What do you think? More likely. I see that constantly, (laughs) that constant name. And what do you know? If they're giving me a free sample, it's probably going to be way more expensive. Mm -hmm. So 90% of the new drugs that come out are actually copycat drugs. Copycat. Mm. In other words, there's cheaper alternatives available, but you know, they change the molecule just a little bit here or there, and they call it a brand new thing. It may even have a brand new patent but it's within the same category. Mm. And is Iris Gorfinkel, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, more likely to prescribe it because it's on my shelf? Heck yeah, it Mm. is, Mm -hmm. for sure. So that's why it works. That's how, uh, yeah. 
But I, I do want to, I do kind of want to push back on the, the cost of, of drug X versus drug Y again. And, and like, it, so you said that the older drug is, is usually better and usually cheaper because it sounds like in a, in a free market, like you talked about different quality of chocolate, like there's this really good quality chocolate. And then there's a sort of like, you know, generic brand chocolate that sells for cheap. The, the, the really good quality chocolate sells for more because it's apparently better. It's like a good bottle of wine. Apparently it's more, you know, exclusive. It's, it's been aged longer. It's better tasting for whatever reason we pay more for that. But it sounds, I do love my, I do love my pharmaceutical drugs to be nice and aged. (laughs) But it sounds like the, the new pharmaceutical drugs are selling for more. And, but so why would, why would a doctor prescribe the new drug when the old one is better and cheaper and more reliable. I, I, don't, I still don't quite you understand. You know, it's interesting. Medicine has a tradition. It's a long-standing tradition. You go to school, you learn about the drugs, you learn about their side effects, you learn about how old they are and what class they're in. But you know what you don't learn about? The cost. Mm. So what happens is there's a tradition in medicine that's long-standing. Costs are not taught. They're simply not taught. And guess what? If I'm not taught the cost, am I likely to teach the cost to the next generation? Mm. And the answer is no. So what winds up happening is that that doesn't become a part of the standard of care of teaching in universities. Right. So it's not even a factor. It's not even a consideration by the doctors when they're prescribing. That's the you know, problem. It, it is. It's, it, at best, it's an afterthought. So imagine if the costs were constantly popping up, not only would doctors learn the costs and be more likely to prescribe a cost-effective drug to a patient, it would also change the the path of how teaching is done. It would have a great impact on how teaching is done. And and like that would change the conversation and not just between doctors, but between doctors and pharmaceutical reps, right? You can imagine they come in and they're like, well, I got, you know, this is the part that goes unsaid. So here, here's a medication to lower cholesterol. It's a new drug. Um, you can take the old drug for $25 for 90 days, or you can take the new drug, get this, $1,680, Bob. I'm not Whoa. kidding. Yeah, right. Yeah, Whoa. I'm not kidding. 67 times. Yeah, That's like wow. insanely more. Yeah. So just, how many doctors know that cost? I, how many doctors know that that drug Incidentally, it's called Rapatha, that drug. Mm. Okay, to be fair, usually they only go to that if nothing else works. Mm-hmm. Most doctors know it's more, but they don't realize just how much how more. How much more, right. So now, Some... You got 38 million people in Canada. Do the multiplication. You tell me. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Mm. The, this uh, this brings us to a, a question from one of our patrons, which I think is a good p- point to bring this up. Uh, it comes from Roseman. Uh, they ask, do you have any comments about how the increased use of EMRs, 
electronic medical records, which I think we were kind of touching on that a little bit earlier. Um, do you do you have any uh, comments about how the increased use of electronic medical records can assist physicians with this type of decision making, such as by providing alternatives in different price ranges? Also, second part of the question, what role should pharmacists have? Example, when they receive a prescription, should they have the onus to go back on to the physician to work out a cheaper alternative hmm. or perhaps more autonomy to dispense an alternative? That's interesting. Yeah, great questions. So let's go to question number two first. Yeah. So yes, the pharmacist can, but only when they're aware that that's a potential problem for the patient. Mm. And that's why I say the patients have more power than they realize. So if it's, if it's costly and it's, it's, it's actually harmful, you know, so the patient can say to the pharmacist, that's really costly. Can you call the doctor to see if there's less expensive alternatives? You know, depending on the pharmacist, depending on the location, the pharmacist may elect to do that, but more than likely, because they don't have the entire clinical history in front of them, more than likely, they're, they're, they'll have to call the doctor to, to make that substitution. They mm. probably will not be able to make it on their own. You know, so that's most of the time. You know, so what was that first question again? Run that by me. Well, the first one kind of tied into something that you had alluded to, which was, you know, we were talking about the the different systems that we could potentially see in the future that would aid with this type of problem, which you had mentioned how, you know, we're, we're moving into a time where electronic medical records is, is, is uh, much more common. And so I guess what they were asking is like, do you have any comments ab about how how this use of electronic medical records could assist doctors in having that moment where, you know, okay, I'm going to fill the prescription. I'm doing it on the computer. Absolutely. So do I now have the ability medical, to bring up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like perfect for this mm -hmm. because the ideal system, what would happen is that I would type, type you a prescription. And as I type it, alternatives would come up. And not only that, but I would be able to see the price of those alternatives and have a normal conversation as if you are in a store shopping. Mm -hmm. Kind of. You know, mm -hmm. so they've done the research. And this is so interesting. You know who's the most ahead on this? It's the UK. You're so done. I'm on vacation. I'm going to the UK. And so I figure, heck, I'm there anyway. I may as well call these people. And they were super friendly. They met with me and they have people <laughs> devoted. I'm, what else am I going to do on my vacation? Go to Big Ben? Back, I've seen it. Whatever. <laughs> no, seriously. I know what you're thinking and hold back. Don't tell me to get a life. I don't want to hear it. This is fun. Okay? Yeah, I'm all about this life. This sounds great. I want to go on vacation <laughs> with you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I go there and these people, drug cost transparency are us. That's who they are. They're sitting there and they have all the prices. They keep up with it all the time. They see what's going on at the level of the pharmacy. They see what's going on, you know, with the pay payments and who, where it's going. And I'll tell you something. It's, it's systems like theirs that put Canada number two in the world. We're paying more than any other country in the world, except for fill in that blank. That's an easy one. United States. <laughs> United States. Oh, yeah. for sure. So yeah. there's the United States, then there's Canada. And that's the second highest line item in our entire healthcare bill. That's embarrassing. Okay, let's not talk about COVID because that's a different space. <laughs> yeah. But wouldn't but, this be, would this all be solved by universal pharmacare? 
Would it be solved by universal? In part, it would be, because what would happen is if we had a universal pharmacare program, it would be a lot easier to put that under one roof. There would be one single payer mm -hmm. who is basically negotiating for all of Canada. And you can imagine that's a pretty strong fist. You know, all of Canada, you want our drug? You want us to buy it or not? You know, so that's a lot stronger than what's happening now, which is every province and territory. And, you know, it's it's not nearly as strong as it could be. Do you think COVID, do you think the COVID situation and and negotiating, you know, a countrywide vaccine program uh, makes it an easier sell for universal pharmacare? Because it's like, hey, we, we've now been forced into the situation kind of done where, it a little where, bit. Yeah, where yeah. the country had to do it in, in this specific <clears throat> case. I hate to say it. But we don't have the money for it right now. Mm. The money's not there. You know, mm. we're like, where's this money going to show up? You know, you're talking about a program in the billions of dollars. Like I'm a, like I'm a family doctor. Okay, I don't. But I like you don't hear a lot about national pharmacare right now because we're in the midst of a healthcare crisis mm -hmm. with COVID nineteen that is costing an insane amount of money. Mm. I don't even know how to put a price tag on it. Frankly, you have to add the psychological. The physical, the, the hospitals, the, mm. the drug costs, oh, the, yeah. the family costs, the extra costs of care. I don't even know where to start on ten, that. Ten years into the future, too. You know. Yeah. So if it were normal times, we could have a normal conversation about does it make sense? I believe it makes a lot of sense. As a family doctor, um, you know, I it's it's one thing for us to sit here and discuss how, and and very important, uh, mind you, for us to discuss how like you know, patients to remind patients that you have a voice. It's important that you use your voice, uh, especially when you find yourself in a position where you are, you require medication yet, you know, in your heart of hearts that like it, it, what you are being presented with is not feasible in terms of your budget. But I, I can't help but think that there's people out there hearing this also thinking, yeah, but like when I'm in that office, and my doctor gives me this prescription. How the fuck do I? How do I? Vo how do I voice that to them? Like, how do you? How do you speak to your doctor to to ask them to find an alternative for you? Um, you know, like I, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of people who feel like um, I don't I don't know, like it's a very disempowering position. Yeah, to yeah. To be a patient is to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think our starting point has to be that, you know, if you're calling yourself a patient, you're vulnerable by definition. As it is, it can be taking a tremendous amount of energy to say, this is my problem. Hold it in your hand away from yourself so that it can be talked about. Yeah. Now, when you superimpose mental health issues, especially anxiety, depression, what does that translate into? This it translates into almost a desperation, never mind a vulnerability. I'll do anything. It feels like hell not to be able to get up in the morning, not to be able to even get my shoes on. And this is the kind of suffering that people have. Now, it's not all people. There are lots of people who may have panic attacks or anxiety or feeling just really low or down. But what happens when the doctor gives a drug that's so expensive and they only learn they can't afford it at the pharmacy? Mm. What happens is the doctor inadvertently doesn't mean to do it, but happens that the patient is further harmed. Mm. I have harmed a patient if I have given them a drug that they cannot afford. 
I've harmed the patient, not only in terms of taking money that they may not necessarily have, feel guilty, humiliated, or ashamed about, but I've also harmed them from the sense that they are less likely to fill that prescription. More likely, this is all evidence-based, more likely to wind up in an emergency room, more likely to be admitted. So these are serious problems when doctors Mm -hmm. don't know costs. We simply cannot afford to ignore them. And I suppose in the, at that point too, you're you're also it also runs the risk of of losing uh, faith or or you know losing a sense of trust within your your yeah uh, your your medical team or your your own your own family physician and that's of course uh-huh. I mean, not, who wants like, to go a, back and say you know that prescription you gave me that was so expensive I couldn't afford it mm, you know yeah. it, that you know that's already compounding pre existing conditions like it it really gets tricky and it gets hard. You know, so I've made that mistake myself. I've looked at a patient and as if, like this is, a, this is the simplistic thinking that some doctors have and I, I put myself in that category. I look at her, I'm thinking, she looks pretty good. She's dressed pretty nicely. She probably can afford whatever wrong. I mean, I'm wrong about that. She goes to the, she goes to the pharmacist, discovers she can't afford it, but she knows because she thinks that I, I, I think highly of her financial status so she doesn't want to break that illusion. So what winds up happening? She pays for it as long as she can. And then she can no longer and goes off her drugs, winds up in the hospital, has a heart attack. True mm-hmm. story. This happened to my patient. And what's mm-hmm. fascinating is that she goes into the hospital. The first thing they say is she could not afford her drugs, therefore stopped her drugs. And guess what her discharge medications are? The same drugs. Exactly the same drugs. It's insane. Yeah, right. I I, I, like this is you are. um, I mean, you're you're Doctor Gorfinkel. You're obviously a very special uh, doctor because uh, first of all, we've had you on our show twice now, and I think that that like that to us, you're extremely special. But to know (laughs) that you are a doctor who's on here shouting this out from you know from 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 the rooftops this important message i'm i i can't i can't imagine that you're the only physician out there who knows that this is a problem who sees this as a as an issue that needs to be solved um but is this is this something that is being discussed within the inner circle of of physicians like is this a problem that that to you from where you stand seems to be common knowledge or or is this something that really is kind of just like being swept under the rug and, and or, or maybe not swept under the rug, but just going under the radar and people just not really uh, noticing what, what needs to be done here? This is a song I've been singing for years, mm. actually. So you turn the clock back three years. I'm standing in front of an Ontario Medical Association meeting discussing the importance of doctors knowing drug costs. They put it to a vote. This is actually a true story. Every single hand in the room goes up, bar none. Now, to be fair, I'm standing there. The room is probably filled with two to 300 people, all physicians, and I'm looking around. I don't see a hand that did not go up in that room. Doctors want to know the costs. They do not want to keep causing harm to patients. So that's not the problem at the level of the doctor. The problem is at the level of the electronic medical record. We have all these different records, you know, and they're all siloed. They don't communicate with one another. And what winds up happening is that complicates 
how easy it is to bring drug costs to doctors. Because how do you break in all these different systems? Like, how do you do that? You have to have an app. You have to have something. You have to have the tech mind to do it. You have to have the will to do it. And you have to break, you have to be able to get it integrated into all these electronic medical records. Mm -hmm. So after a lot of pushing and shoving and hemming and hawing and crying and screaming, the Ontario Medical Association makes it something, but guess what it's made out of? Paper. Mm. Well, they make something out of paper. And guess what that's going to do? Diddly squat. It's not going to help because no doctor is going to use anything made out of paper. We need it like, boom, spoon fed electronically. Yeah. I write it's, tw it's 2021. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we live in the future. Like especially it's, in a system it, that is that is based in efficiency. Yeah, you know, yeah like exactly. If you, can't, yeah. if you can't whip that up, Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, what, what, what is, yeah, if that's not, if that's not extremely easily accessible, what mm. is, you know, what is the doctor? Well, the let doctor me put do? it this way. The pharmaceutical companies are super smart. You think there's one cost to one drug and it's the same, right? No matter what pharmacy, no matter where you are in the city, no matter what province you're in, guess what? They're all different. You can pay different amounts for the same drug even within Shopper's Drug Mart, depending on where it is. Yeah. How insane is that? Yeah. You know, so what winds yeah. up happening is that it's it's a rapidly changing set of cards. You know, so what does that mean? Like we need better communication systems to capture those changes. Mm -hmm. What we know is that the relative drug costs are fairly representative. So even a system that would put $1 sign, $3 signs, $6 signs, so that way I'm at least informed, mm -hmm. you know, because right now there's not even a relative system there. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, th this, this question, this is, um, this might be a different conversation. I don't know how in your lane this is, but I'm curious. Um, you know, pharmaceutical companies, they got a bad rap, no doubt. Um, and, and, and I feel like, and maybe I'm speaking for all of us, but maybe you guys can let me know if you agree. I feel like we, we're, we're sort of like, at a crossroads with pharmaceutical companies, I think because of like the general bad rap that they get as a, you know, across the globe. But then also Jeremy's alive because of a pharmaceutical company, no doubt. And, um, and so the question is, is what is your, what is your take on, or do you have a take on drug prices in general, how drug prices are, are determined, what the process is like, I do not hold it against a pharmaceutical company that they're trying to do the best they can for their shareholders. This is mm -hmm. the system that we have. Yeah. And the system is, is that if they've done the research and taken the financial risk for something that was, you know, that mostly will fail. And that's a big problem, right? The costs of research are extremely high. <laughs> that, that cannot be ignored. But understand, 90% of drugs out there are copycat drugs. They don't fall into the category of brand new research that's breaking through, a new mm. COVID vaccine, a medication to treat. It's not like that. A lot of them are simply minor changes in molecules, and they call them a brand new drug. Mm. So what we have to do are have systems that work within that kind of a framework. I don't begrudge them a profit, not at all. That's, that's, the, that's the oil that makes the machine run. But do I begrudge doctors' ignorance of costs? Do I begrudge not giving doctors the cost so that they have the tools to give the most cost-effective drug? 
Yes, that's what I'd be worried. That's what I'm upset about. That's why we need to have drug cost transparency on electronic medical records. And incidentally, in the UK, they did the research. I mean, we know how to set these systems up. That work has already been done to determine what makes doctors tick, what really gives them that nudge to ensure that they do the best thing on the on the part of the patient. Mm. Could we not purchase something like, could we not, from, from, a, from, a, from a, a national standpoint, could we not purchase something like that from the UK? Like, is that not something that you can go to the UK and say, hey, we want to we want to buy the program that you use buy to, your data. to do this? Not the data, the, the structure. Or like Israel, Israel has a, Israel has a, as a, like a, a really like centralized uh, medical record system. Mm. Like, I wonder, I, I wonder about that. Is it, I mean, maybe the cost is prohibitive or maybe they're not selling or I can whatever. tell you, like I've, I work with a lot of tech companies who have the capabilities of developing systems. It, it's not that the, the technology or systems, like I know what you're saying today, like we could just, we could just buy it from, from that structure from them and have that. And that seems like a good idea, but it's it's the amount of red tape that's around actually yeah. getting like something like that to work that is holding us back from being able to do it. Is it like red tape? Like, is it political red tape? Is it is it just just the bureaucracy bureaucracy of of, of yeah, well, I the, guess med, what is the med it? system? Yeah. Like, what? Why? What? Why haven't we? Why haven't we figured this out? Yeah, you know, it's not. I think what happens is that. When you're talking about medicine, just in general, you, you recognize physicians are selected for being ultra conservative in what we do. Like, you're like, what the hell? How come you're the first person to be discussing drug cost transparency? First, I'm not the first person to discuss it, but it is shockingly how few doctors are talking about it. Mm. And it's a major problem. It's the second highest line item and Canada's paying the second most for its drugs of anyone else in the world, as I've said. So why the inertia? And the reason is, is because we are selected for being conservative people. They tell us from the earliest day, work hard in school. And guess what? We do. And they tell us, work hard on every exam that we give you, or we will fail you. And guess what? We deliver. We work hard. We make sure to do that. And so what winds up happening is that we are born into a system, we are taught a certain way, and it is actually very hard to move away from that system. Even universities, what are they more likely to reward? The way it's always been done. Mm -hmm. And the way it's always been done, there's a history, there's a tradition of not talking about drug costs. That needs to change mm -hmm. because now we cannot afford some of the super extremely expensive drugs that are coming out. I talked about that cholesterol lowering drug. So how many people do you think you need to treat to save a single heart attack? In a high risk population, you gotta lower the cholesterol of 30 people to save one heart attack. You know, so I ask you, at a price of $1,680 for three months, these are the kind of the decisions that doctors are not necessarily aware of as they prescribe it. They know it's expensive. They don't realize just how expensive it is. It's literally 67 times the cost of the regular drug. Wow. So, so, so you ask yourself, what, like, what do you do with us? Mm. And, and, you know, then there's that whole category of so-called orphan conditions. You know, the conditions that are not that common that people get, you know, those actually are not where the money is being lost. 
They can afford to pay for the odd patient with the odd disease. They're, that's not where the big money is. The big money is in all those small niggly things that add up over mil, over the 38 million people we have in the country. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So if you've got a 10% difference, a 50% difference, 100,000, not 100,000, I'm exaggerating. Okay, fine. You've got <laughs> you know a 60, 60 time difference or whatever it is. It's all the small ones that make up the huge differences. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to focus on. You know, yes, the system has been done. And it's really cool. What I what I learned in the UK, it's not just a matter of drug costs. They, they've got it on at all these different levels. So how do they nudge doctors to do the right thing? They not only give them the drug costs, they also give them a nudge. So are you sure, Dr. Gorfinkel, that that's what you want to prescribe? There is this drug, which costs literally three times less. Are you sure? So do you see what I have to do? I now have to override. I have to override it in order to prescribe the more expensive drug. Think about that. That's so cool. They've thought about it. They've walked the walk. And on top of it, they use my peers to give me pressure because I only have so much money in the pot. I'm responsible for it along with my peers, some 20 other doctors. And you know what? At the next meeting, I know they're going to give me heck. They're going to say, "Why? what were you thinking with that $1,000 drug when you could have given a $50 drug in its place? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of conversation that I would have to then face. So that's what's happening in the UK. Is that happening in Canada? I don't think so. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do have one more question that's possibly a totally different uh, conversation. And maybe we just need to have a follow-up episode again about this. But I am curious. You, you mentioned the example of... Uh, of a was it an SSRI that was being prescribed in the beginning uh, something for a mental um illness and i'm so curious about why living with a mental illness is so expensive it it seems like there's no like literally no options for affordable um mental health care whether it's even uh psychotherapy or um drug options it's heartbreaking. It really is. And now when we have COVID-19, you know, it's it's the pandemic and there's a huge demand on mental health services. And I struggle with it tremendously in my own practice with long waiting lists, mm. with, you know, wondering where this patient is going to wind up to get the counseling they need. Um, the services are there, but the waiting lists can be long. You know, and you talk about the drug costs. I mean, look at this. Venlafaxine, 30 bucks for 90 days. So that's reasonably affordable. But as soon as you put des venlafaxine, which incidentally is for all intents and purposes the same drug, $245 for 90 days. Jeez. You know, so that's like, and you know, so the trade name of that, I'm just going to say it, is Effexor. So you've got Effexor and you've got another drug called Pristique. Well, Pristique is the newer one and that costs way, way more. Prestige does sound expensive. It does. That sounds shiny and new and like it would look good on your wrist. Pristine. And it's spelled with a Q at the end. Oh, I know. I know. I can can feel the pinky finger lifted up when you said it. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, and don't kid yourself. Like these drugs, do you think the drug Viagra got its name out of the blue? Do you think somebody just said, well, let's call it Viagra? There are companies devoted to naming drugs. Totally. 
you know, because the way we respond to a drug, I love this, this stuff, by the way, we could do a whole segment on that. That's like out there, but it's very, it's absolutely fascinating. It's interesting. The, how you name a drug matters a lot yeah, because yeah. it gives a suggestion. Listen carefully. Viagra, Niagara. I mean, <laughs> if you thought about it, how it flows, how all of a sudden there's this huge force. It's it's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. It's massive. Like, think about yeah, it. Yeah, totally. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about it. it. It's that, swelling. It's about to burst. Are you kidding? <laughs> that's a very good point. And, and, I mean, yeah, it it is it is a very good point, and it's one of those things that's like, I mean, you we see it everywhere. It's even even down to the way that sh- that um, grocery stores are laid out. You know, the way that the way that things are placed in front of us when we walk into a store, like it's yeah, all, it's, it's all, all science. It's all, there's a science to all of it. And it is, it is very fascinating. But, but again, that's all part of, that's all a part of living in a capitalist society. That's all a part yeah. of the system that we're, that we're in. It's, that's it's all, not the part that I struggle with. The part mm-hmm. that I struggle with is the doctors aren't, and it's not just doctors, it's nurse practitioners, sure. it's yeah. nurses, it's anybody who's in front of that, you know, electronic health record. Mm-hmm. We need to be spoon fed the prices. We need mm-hmm. to understand what they are at the point of prescribing. We need to have that conversation with the person we're giving it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not fair to that individual to hand them a prescription that they only later find that they cannot afford, you know, or they're they're taking on serious hardships as a result. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's interesting. They've done the research on what drugs are not getting filled. So if it's a chronic drug, a drug, a prescription that goes on longer than three months, that's more likely not to get filled. If it's something they can't directly feel, you know, so things like COPD, asthma, diabetes, high blood pressure, stuff like that, way more likely because they can't, you know, there's not that direct feeling, you know, some drugs you stop it and boy, you feel it right away. You know, antibiotics, I can give you an expensive antibiotic and you probably are not going to complain about it. Although arguably you should be asking questions simply because it's a, it's a one-off. It's really short, but when the prescriptions are longer, people just mm-hmm. kind of say, okay, maybe they'll stop difference. it and then wind up more likely in the yeah. hospital. Yeah. Well, Iris, I think, um, I know that there's a lot of physicians that listen to this show. God, God knows why. Um, and, uh, and, and I think, and I think that this is a really good, a real, something that's really great for them to hear. Mm -hmm. And I also think that at least from my perspective, hearing, just, just hearing a doctor say, ask Mm. is, is all I need to, 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 to go, oh, right. Of course. And I know that, and I, and I, and I hope that, I, and I, th- I think, and I hope, I hope, and I think there's a lot of people out there that are, that are doing just that, that just that little piece of permission yeah. will spark that like, Hey, the next time I'm in that, in that, in that scenario, in that position, I'll just ask because I just didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that that was yeah. allowed or okay or whatever the case may be. And now that they've heard it, they will. Mm. And I think that's. And I'll, 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 put, I'll put another two cents in there once we're talking about it. Don't assume that the drug is going to cost the same at every pharmacy. Like people think, oh, it's, it's going to be the same at Walmart and Costco and That's shoppers and Rexall. Wrong, wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like buying shampoo, kind of. You know, you can buy it 
super cheap or you can buy it more expensive. So shopping around is also a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. That's another one of these pearls. And, and I think that the starting point, the mindset has to be the nurse practitioner, the, the physician's assistant, the, the doctor, whatever, the specialist, they, they care a great deal. We, we want to make sure you can afford your drugs. We don't want to find out later you didn't take them because they were so expensive. The copay was too high. The insurance ran out. We want to know that the drugs are being taken. And there was no shame in owning it and saying, you know what, is there a less expensive alternative? You don't even have to go into your personal finances. You could just ask that question. And that mm-hmm. gets the dialogue started. Mm-hmm. Once again, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, uh, just love having you on the show. It's it's such a pleasure. Uh, I, I think I had said before we started recording, we are we had such a, a, a positive outpouring of, of uh of rave reviews after the last time that we had you on the show, that it would be, it would be wild for us to not have you back. And now I think again, it would be just totally uh, insane for us not to have you back uh, again in the future. It's been so fun to sit down with you really, really means a lot that you are sharing these important messages with us. And, um, and yeah, thanks for, thanks for giving us some of your time. Once again, I so appreciate your having me on the show. I love the show. It's so much fun. <laughs> the dialogue. And it's, I just, it's a lot of fun. Oh, right. good. And, uh, yeah, and we glad. wanted We're to glad. say next time you're uh, headed to the UK and going to meet with some uh, folks about drug prices. We're uh, coming with you. Yeah, we want to come. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I don't know about, I'm not sure about the posse thing. I think they not appreciate the posse thing, but we can try. We can try. Uh, yeah. All right, thank you. Uh, Many That is it for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, make sure that you share our podcast with your friends. We love those extra ears. Sick Boy Podcast is a Snack Labs production. It is produced by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, Brian Stever, and Lauren Sankey. Sound design is coming to you from Donovan the Meerkat Morgan. The music of the show is from our friend Rich O'Coin. And Sick Boy Podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis. That is it for today. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.